Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today I have my friend, filmmaker, auteur, <laughs> filmmaker, Henry Collin. Thanks for coming to the podcast today. Oh, thank you. So years ago, we're in the same program, uh, Film 5 at AFCOOP. You made Passage, I made Drown the Lovers, and then um, you like went on a whole different path. <laughs> so let's like rewind back. How was your Film 5 experience making oh, wow. Passage? Uh, making passage was actually like a really incredible experience. I think um, came at a good time for me. I was just uh, after a, a period of a lot of like no budget, self funded little shorts, and I wanted to do you know a real short, you know, quote unquote. Um, and film five is something that I had been chasing, you know, before I, I entered a few times, didn't get it uh, <laughs> as it goes. But uh, passage, I think, was sort of this like finally I've got like an idea that works. I finally, 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 finally understood the lesson, write what you know. Mm. Uh, I thought, well, let's just go all the way and write about, I don't know, my childhood and, <laughs> and, and just get really personal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the experience of actually getting to, to follow through and make that was, was so genuinely pleasurable. I felt like, you know, I, I got to like level up as a filmmaker and actually learn, you know, beyond just like what my idea of making a movie is and like mm. how to actually uh, approach it and make a film. And uh, your film Passage was in black and white. That was deliberate why? Yeah. Uh, that one, I mean, two, two reasons. You know, the more like kind of artsy answer of the whole thing is like it's, you know, the whole film is so memory and nostalgia based. And, you know, I do find that black and white does convey that. Um, on top of that, you know, Eastern Passage is a very like gray, foggy place. Felt like that was <laughs> the way I, at the time. That's how I wanted to to sort of represent the other uh, community a little one bit. One of the one but... of the shots that actually stood out for me in the film was the rain one, and that wasn't planned, right? If I remember, <laughs> yeah. The the rain shot is funny. I think we all know uh, that that's like kind of the best shot that we have in that movie, and it happened completely by accident. It was our very first shot of the whole production. Just here's our lead character. They're gonna walk down a path, turn and look at the camera. Mm. Should be simple. Uh, and of course, very first shot of the day, first shot of the weekend, the whole thing. The skies open up and it is just a torrential downpour. Wow. More rain than I have ever seen. Mm. Uh, and it completely washed us out. Uh, we got the one shot um, and the rain was beautiful. It was. <laughs> it was so gorgeous to, to get the rain in that shot. But then we had, you know, it was kind of a catastrophe. We had to flip our days. We had had this whole day planned to be our exteriors, and then suddenly we had to go and shoot our interiors. Had to call our art department, because of course this is like film five, so you don't have, you know, prep time to go in and like set up your, your sets and anything like that, at least not in a reasonable way, um, mm. because, you know, no one's really getting paid. And uh, <laughs> I had to call my art director and say, hey, you had, uh, you had uh, one, you know, you were going to have a full day to set up this house and now I need it in um, three, three hours. <laughs> and she said, yep, okay. And, uh, and we went and, you know. Who was the art director? It was uh, Chloe Chater. Oh, oh, Chloe's awesome. Yeah, also from the film five. Right, you right, know? right, 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 right. But uh, yeah, and, you know, she, she and her team absolutely killed it and we got our day and we, we still wrapped on time and it, it ended up being very, very 
you know, good despite uh, the situation that set us in there. But mm. it, it was also the only time on that whole production where I finally, like, I kind of, like, lost it, you know. Got into a <laughs> script supervisor's car. Uh, it was a friend of mine from uh, from college, so I didn't feel weird about kind of, like, <laughs> letting myself pop off. But that, that was the one I was like, that's it. Months of work ruined. <laughs> it, it, it's over. You know, I can't believe the rain ruined our film. Right. But we got the, the money shot, and, uh, and the, rest of the, shot. the rest of the shoot went tremendously well. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, that crew was absolutely fantastic, and I still work with a lot of them now. The cast, who are all primarily uh, children at the time, mm. and now they're teenagers, adults, and it's kind of weird for me uh, <laughs> to, to see these folks grow up. Right. Um, but they, they were all incredible, and I think a lot of people will, like, tell filmmakers don't work with children. I disagree. Kids are great to work with because uh, they're just like balls of creativity. But also, you know? I think what helps you is I remember uh, you did this program like a film camp with the kids. So yeah. that, you have that experience. It's true. I, uh, I, I did teach the, um, I, I worked at a Ross Creek Center for Arts doing their film camp for a number of years, mm. which was just a tremendous experience. How was that going? experience pardon me how was the Ross Creek experience yeah that whole experience was like amazing I'd never gotten to teach before but uh, I like teaching you know I like getting to share what I do because uh, I really care about this shit this is mm. this, this is my thing so I like getting to share that especially with kids because when I was a teenager like I was I was 14 when I first started making movies so kind of it's near and dear uh to me so mm. I, I like getting to to share that uh I haven't done it in a couple of years but um, for the years that I was doing it, which was almost like eight or nine, wow. uh, quite a few, I met tons and tons of just very creative uh, kids. Well, how long would it, you know, would the camp be and what would a typical camp include? So five days. Um, and it's sort of a, a start to finish kind of crash course of just making, oh. a, making a little short with the group. So you spend your first day like, let's come up with an idea, you know, see what it's going to be. Could be anything. Mm. Probably a horror movie, but you know, <laughs> could be anything. Uh, yeah. So you spend your first day coming up with the ideas, brainstorming, coming up with some storyboards. Uh, largely, it's just uh, an icebreaker uh, mm. to get everybody working together. Um, yeah. The point of the camp is less for me. It's less about making a good movie or something that's like watchable. Like that's cool. We're gonna do that anyway. Like mm. we're gonna spend the whole week going out, shooting the movie, learning how to use some of the gear different shot types, all that stuff. And it's great, it's a valuable lesson, but I think the key lesson that I tried to teach anyway with those camps was like teamwork. Right. Uh, you know, obviously when you're making a film, you know, it's it's not a one person nope. job. Nope. Uh, nope. It's, nope. A, it's a whole team of people. And I wanted to impart that right away because it, it's very easy. And I, I'm guilty of this uh, when I was younger to just kind of get lost in it all and I'm think- I'm gonna do it myself. I, I can do everything. And <laughs> the, this is this is the way it's gonna get done. It's, it's not true. <laughs> Talking about teams, you know, you've worked with the same DP from Passage in all your films now. What is that? Why that? And what's the chemistry that you two share? So um, Keith Mitchell, uh, my DP, and longtime friend. We uh, we went to school together, um, so we've known each other for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, came on board with Passage. He was really uh, down and eager to get a film five under his belt at that time. And I think uh, a lot of our working relationship and chemistry comes down to we're just big, big nerds about uh, about movies. You know, every time we hang out, it's just let's talk about movies that we like and, mm. th and this can get pretty obscure you know th th this can range from 
me, you know, saying, hey, I saw, you know, XYZ movie at the theater. You should check that out. Or he'll recommend, you know, a five hour Japanese, <laughs> you know, movie to me. And then I'll try to check that out. And it's a lot of back and forth like that. Yeah. Sort of, I don't know. I don't know if you would agree with this, but it almost feels like we're, we're one-upping each other. Oh, our, uh, did you, you see know, this? <laughs> with, with our, our movie suggestions. Right, right. Uh, but the result of that is we have a lot of, we spend a lot of time kind of theorizing about why these movies are good. And that kind of directly leads into the work that we do together uh, with the films. Because we think, well, this is what we think a good movie is. Mm. So let's do that. Um, plus Keith just, um, he's a wizard, you know, with, with the camera. He can do things that... Uh, I think are just like almost unnatural. It's amazing <laughs> uh, what he can do visually, and yeah. uh, he really understands like the visions that I'll go for. But mm. he's not afraid to stop me and say that's not going to work. Or, <laughs> uh, often I hear, I think there's a better way that we can do this, and I'm uh, like, there probably is. Right, uh, right, you know? right, right. <laughs> and, and I love that. You know, I, I like to be challenged because I don't think that. Uh, I might be the director on the film, whatever, but I don't have the best ideas there. Somebody else on that set has a better idea than me somewhere, and I want to mm. hear it because it's going to make the movie better, mm. you know, regardless of like how I might feel about like, oh, it's not a hundred percent like my ideas, whatever. That's you know, that's just ego. There's no room for that. <laughs> I agree. But let's talk about your process, though. How does it start for you? From this idea just enters your brain, and you get the final file that you send to festivals what's that process like uh it depends from movie to movie mm-hmm. um one example a short film i made um came out in 2021 it was uh, endless row of trees ah the one uh, with uh what the guy was how was that car short i gotta ask there was a <laughs> short in the car with i might think of, yeah it's the right film taylor olsen was in the car and he was yeah. just driving i really love that shot that was <laughs> one of my best shots in the film i uh i really like all we did there that was again i think like keith and our um our, our technician Stuart rankin uh both kind of went in and put together just a ton of different variations on car rigs uh to to get that going um that film uh i, I probably shouldn't but I, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it anyway. uh we shot it on a on a road that we <coughs> didn't have a permit for uh, and uh what's on the day though because it was a day like, oh yeah <laughs> we just we, you know we drove around myself and keith we, we ended up finding a road that oh, was uh, okay. pretty pretty chill and we found a, a stretch of about four minutes of driving that oh, we figured okay. this is a great stretch right we'll, we'll chill out here we'll do it we strapped that camera to the front of that car um so it's a lot of the time it's on the hood of the car shooting right in on taylor mm. um pretty much any shot that's just a close-up of his face while he's driving cameras on the hood He's driving. We're uh, we're in front of him in the car, uh, so he's following us. We're driving way slower than it looks, because uh, you don't need to go fast in a car to make it look like you're driving fast. Mm-hmm. Just visually, it's kind of just a weird trick that works out. So he'd follow us. I'd be sitting in the back seat of the car with Keith with a, with a monitor set up where we can watch Taylor. Of course, we can't hear him because right. the movie cost a hundred dollars. You know, uh, so we're like, let's just. Make it out, vibe it out, and, yep. and check it out. But you know that that whole production was honestly some of the most fun I've ever had mm. making a movie. It was just a small group of us friends out there. It was like myself, Keith Mitchell, Josh Owen, um, Stuart Rankin, and Taylor Olson, mm. and that was it. That was the group of us. We're just out there for a weekend shooting this movie, 
And it was less like, very much not like work and more like just hanging out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and I think as a result, we were all kind of just firing on all cylinders. And right. I, I think the movie turned out really well. And then it played in one film festival and went off into the to the ether. But, you know. <laughs> I, lo- I love that film. I really, really remember that shot. I love that shot. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, that's how that film happened. And then the pandemic happened. And you're like, I'm gonna make this film. How did I'm a hero. I'm not a hero, sorry. <laughs> I'm not a hero. How did that happen? That one, so trees, endless row of trees, we wrapped about a week before the first lockdown. Oh, oh so my god, that first lockdown was it, really scary. It was terrifying. And we uh you know, I was working at a grocery store at the time. Uh that's where that hundred dollars went, was into food from the discount rack at that grocery store, so we ate well. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but we wrapped about a week before the first lockdown. And I, I remember us standing on set and we were like, wonder if this is going to be something that we need to worry about. Uh, and of course, a week later, we're completely shut down. I have no idea what's going on. Mm. you know. And of course, I'm working at a grocery store. And grocery store, early pandemic. And I, I would say like before pandemic and now, not a good job. Like It's not a, not a great place to, to be working, you know, especially if you're like, a young creative you want to be off doing different things, but then you're hired down by this minimum wage job that you have to give all of your time and energy to. Mm. Not fantastic. Now, add that in with uh, the pandemic and suddenly being told you're on the front lines, mm. uh, that you're essential. You're still not getting paid enough. Right. Um, but now you're one of the people who, instead of getting to stay at home and kind of wait it out, you have to go out there and you have to be facing the public and you have to do it with a smile. Mm. And uh, that drove me completely nuts. Uh, you know, I, I definitely went off the deep end, like really flipped out, you know, was coming home from work every day and just like spend the first hour to two hours just complaining about my day. Mm. People did this, my boss did that. Horrible, horrible situation, which culminated in um, when uh, I don't, I don't want to say anything that'll get anyone in trouble but uh i was working at a store that might be owned by a uh, wealthy maritime family uh <laughs> um and uh, they had a a, a hero pay system in uh, what, what for, is hero pay was basically a top up that um oh grocery store workers were getting during the first few months of the pandemic that sort of worked out to like extra 50 60 bucks per paycheck okay um wait but oh shit Okay. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of money. Yeah, um, I was... <laughs> it, it was one of those things where you it's like you get an extra like I forget what it was now, like two dollars an hour. Right. After twenty hours of work, so oh, you had to like put in twenty hours of work to even, get to to even qualify for right. the pay. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was and, and like not a lot of us were really working. Like you were working full time, but full time meant like thirty hours. Like you weren't be able to put in a full shift because we weren't busy. Mm. You just had to be there. Uh, and eventually, um, towards the middle of the year, and this is still 2020, mm. uh, they told us the danger was over and they cut the pay. Um, me, in my infinite wisdom, I went on to Facebook and... Oh, right! I yeah, remember that post! I'm sure you remember this. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, So I complained about it and uh, I was fired right. you know, from the job, uh, which I felt was like a, a great injustice because I was complaining about our pay being cut and we're, you know, we're supposedly essential, but only if we keep our mouths shut. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like the, the seeds for I'm not a hero were sort of planted there. Um, a little later I had met with, uh, the folks at, uh, Winterlight Productions 
and um, just to see if there's any work, you know, what could I do? And I also knew that um, they were producing the Cinema 902 series, which is a lot of micro-budget uh, feature films. And what is, yeah, I was literally about yeah. to ask you, you, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, their first season, like the films were like $25,000, like very, very small, but it seemed like a, a means to be able to, to get something off the ground. Mm. I was hungry for that. I had applied for talent to watch, got told I wasn't ready, wasn't getting money. I thought, when, when, when do I get to be ready? When, when does this get to happen? So I just started uh, chasing down pretty much any, any means. Got to talking to these guys. They asked me what I was working on. I, uh, <laughs> this is another thing I probably shouldn't say. I wasn't really, like, I didn't really have anything kind of on the go. Oh. Uh, but they asked me what I was working on, and I said, oh, I've got something. And then <laughs> um, immediately, like, went home and started uh, writing a script, and I, I needed something. And I thought, well, I'm watching lots of social realism movies right now. Mm -hmm. Why not just write about the experience of working in a store early pandemic? Felt very like, oh, well, it's in my head. I know there's drama there. I know there's a movie there, but also like no one, no one's talking about this. It's so easy to have that conversation just swept under the rug. And if you know, I can get even like five more people talking about like how frankly shitty it is to be a grocery store worker and like work for these people, mm. then yeah, I got to do it. And uh, the first screenplay version of "I Am Not a Hero" was born, uh, and that kind of just like rested <laughs> for a long time. Like I, I got a couple drafts in. They thought it was great. And then didn't hear anything for, for most of the year. So this would have been 2021. Mm. Um, I finished up. I was on CERB at this point. Uh, I'd finished that up. I was going back to work. I was a, uh, I was cleaning at a hotel. So I was uh, sweeping up cigarette butts in, oh the, uh, <laughs> in the parking garage uh, of a hotel downtown Halifax. Which, uh, admittedly... Not the worst job in the world. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that's actually better than Dota 1? Oh, definitely. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, definitely. They just let me alone, mm. you know, so I could kind of just go about and be in my own space and just sweep up yeah, the cigarette butts, yeah. do whatever. And I didn't have to deal with customers, so I'd, <laughs> I'd say that was, like, probably the biggest uh, the biggest plus for that. Mm. I'm on my way to work one day, and I just get an email from, uh, from one of the producers saying, hey, you still working on that script? We'd love to produce it. You know, let's, uh, let's get this thing going. You're shooting... In February. What the uh, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and, and this was November. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I guess, I guess I'm making a movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know the setup for a, a production like that. It's you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to overly romanticize uh, micro budget filmmaking because um, it's fucking hard. Mm. You know, it, it's just it's really really hard. And I didn't quite grasp that going into that production right. because I've spent my you know, I'm a, I'm a big movie nerd. I, uh, I watch, you know, all these folks who have, you know, come up by starting with their self-funded or micro-budget films. And, uh, you know, I love, like, you know, the Mumblecore movies. Mm. I figure, Something. I can do that. Yeah. That's a way to get things done. And yes, it is a way to get things done. But at no point uh, should you kid yourself into thinking, like, that this it's is the way it should be done. Oh, right. Uh, you know. right, right. It could be done this way, but shouldn't. But yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah just gotcha. because you can doesn't mean you necessarily should. Now, right. I'm very much of the opinion that uh, if it's the choice between doing a micro-budget, in our case with I Am Not a Hero, we had $37,000, which is, I mean, as, as we all know, as people who've made short films, I mean, that's the cash budget. You know, if you factor in all of the in-kind budget, 
on those film fives. Like that's enough to make a short film. Mm. And now we're stretching that out to make it into a feature. How many days did you shoot? Uh, that one was 13 days. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. shit that's fast. It was... Like, how are yeah. your days, though? I'm curious. Like, how, how do you mean? Just like, were they, were yeah. they long? Yeah, or yeah, were yeah, they, yeah. No, we... Um, one thing we, we try to do, because no one's getting paid enough on these, you know, you're making some money, but it's like, it's basically an honorarium. Mm. And you can rest assured no one there is being paid what they're worth. Mm. Um... So we don't try to, we try not to go over 10 hours. Oh, okay. Uh, keep it chill. Right. And, um, because yeah, like you, you can do overtime, I guess, but like if people aren't getting paid for it, then why, why are we here? You know, mm -hmm. just because I'm here, you know, chasing my vision doesn't mean I've got to, you know, exploit, <laughs> exploit my friends any further than I already have by, by getting them to come out on this cheap movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was done and played a couple of festivals too couple of festivals. How do you feel, you know, once you had that locked version? Oh, man. Relief. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the whole film, you know, and this was kind of the, the weird fast-pacedness of it all. Mm. We needed, by the end of March, to have a final cut delivered. Oh, my God. So, and if you remember, we, we shot in February. February, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, March was this pit of despair god damn uh where i just had to uh, jump in and edit this whole movie holy my myself gosh. you know yeah that's what i think you no do no money uh <laughs> you know no no money for the post right. just like had to go in and do it you know i had to I had this i had to learn how to mix sound oh my gosh i wasn't very good at it and the movie doesn't sound super great but <laughs> you know it was passable and it was like well this is this is the nature of this type of filmmaking. Yeah. You know, I'm going to just go all in and and do it. Mm. But uh, once I once I locked off on that movie and like it was done, delivered, just an incredible amount of uh, of relief. Mm. Um, followed immediately by, which I think is funny, the day I delivered that movie uh, was the day I got COVID. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> talk like, about a, after all this, meet this whole movie about yeah, COVID. Talk about timing. Really hardcore, <laughs> you know, and it, it came about too uh, because I shared a joint with the lead actor <laughs> who still worked at the grocery store that I used to work on. Oh. Uh, and it was the wave of COVID that ran through the grocery store. Right. <laughs> so, oh my even God. though I had been a, a year and a half out from actually having worked there, it still got me. <laughs> After all that time. They, uh, they found you somehow. <laughs> and now, Lost in Time. Lost in Time. Yeah. What's the story there? Lost in Time came about, um, same producers, Paul Kimball and uh, Ron Fuller McDonald, uh, approached me basically saying, hey, we, we loved I'm Not a Hero. We'd like to do another one. Mm. We think it would be really good for you to you know, make another film. We've got a little bit more money this time. Not a lot more money, but like a little bit more. And we think you should do something science fiction. Oh, or okay. genre based. Mm. I was like, well, yeah, I love genre and science fiction. I, I do want to try this. And Paul had a play uh, called Doing Time uh, that he was interested in expanding into a feature film. I thought the play seemed interesting. And just from a pure challenge perspective, I thought, man, what a great opportunity to just. I don't have to like mine my own personal traumas mm. for once to, uh, just... to, to write a story. Right. I have somebody else's work it's in a genre that i enjoy mm. i can have some fun for once not that the other films aren't fun for me but like when you're when you're doing personal work and get kind of stressful and mm. uh, a more uncomfortable way and i really just wanted to do something mm. 
fun for me. And I, I love science fiction, so I, I got the opportunity to adapt the play, which um, very hard to do, an adaptation. I had it in my head, like, oh, I've got a lifting point uh, of a whole play to, to go off of. Let's, let's just see how that goes. And it's, it's not as easy as, you know, I'm, I think in your head, even in my head, I was like, yeah, it's going to be like copy and paste, fill in, the, fill in the blanks, you know, expand on it, put it in my words. Mm. It's not that at all. You're, you're, you're ground up writing something from scratch because, you know... A play from 2007 will not translate into being a film in 2020. Mm. Was it 2023? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, having to work that, work the language so it's more cinematic, not theatrical. Mm. And it took just a very hard month of, of writing uh, to be able to get the screenplay out for that. Wow. And then uh, we kicked off in December. Um, same crew or a lot of the same crew a mm. lot of the same crew a lot of the the key players uh coming in so of course keith shot it and and so on and uh how many days did you do this one? this one was 11 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, how did you achieve the, uh, like that was it less work so or? i learned a big lesson on i'm not a hero mm. which was uh just because i think something is small scale doesn't mean it actually is. So mm. I'm not a hero. I thought eh, it's going to take place in a grocery store, an apartment, little couple of exteriors to kind of break that up. Mm. You know, that'll be fine. But that then entails you needing to get an apartment. Mm -hmm. You got to get a grocery, grocery store. store. And uh, I can tell you right now, getting a grocery store, not easy. Mm. Not easy. And uh, so you end up making a lot of compromises and you realize that... Um, you know, your reach far exceeds your, your, your grasp in a lot of cases with, uh, with this kind of filmmaking. Mm. So with Lost in Time, I knew we had about double the budget of I Am Not a Hero. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to keep it extra small. Oh. <laughs> just so, so that budget had room to breathe and like, right. so we could just put it up all on, all on screen. So similarly, we, we kept it down to two locations. Three if you count um, just a, a day of exteriors. Okay. But otherwise, we, we kept it largely to kind of a, a room uh, that we shot in the, the Diefenbunker uh, down in DeBert. And then another five solid days of shooting in a house. Did you yeah. guys stay there or had to go there every day? We uh, So we were staying in the area. Just oh, a okay. combination of like Airbnbs and gotcha. hotel rooms, okay. stuff like that. Um, they do have a hospitality center right across the street from the bunker, mm. but it was booked up, unfortunately. So, oh. you know, we, we, we didn't have just like the life of luxury convenience, but yeah, uh, <laughs> just traveling from there today. So now I'm, I'm not a hero. Lost in time is done or still editing? Just, uh, it's just in the shot. Um, I've been taking a bit of a time off before I get into the editing of the film. Uh, just for my own Is it also, sanity. when is this supposed to be ready? There's no real deadline. Oh! So yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of like <laughs> sitting on it. So I'm, I'm giving it the love that I couldn't give to Hero where right. uh, if I could have taken, you know, three or four weeks to just let that footage sit and not dive right into it, I think the film could be different. And mm. I, I want to be able to give that opportunity to this one because I'm not a hero as a movie I watch now and I go, man, if I had a longer post period, there's about five minutes of that movie that I think I would cut out just tighten it up that mm. kind of thing i wouldn't do do it now i don't really believe in going in and, and changing the work after the fact because right. it's done it's out in the world it's doing its thing i'm happy with it mm. uh, just you know you're your own worst critic so you know, sit back and <laughs> yeah go, oh, I, I do this differently yeah but i, I want to give that time for uh, the footage from lost in time to breathe okay. a little bit i should be starting editing probably within the next week oh. and nice. uh 
I, I'd like to see it out, you know, ready to go before the end of the year. Okay. Uh, but I'd say it's like likely to hit for a 2024 festival run. Oh, okay. 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 At least, yeah, let it breathe. So, I mean, it's always great talking to you, but before I let you go, I have to ask this, right? <clears throat> You've made these films, learned so much along the way. What? You know, you're talking to one of those kids back in, some, in the film camp and stuff, and they're like, I want to be the next Henry Collin. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you tell that kid? Well, just, uh, oh, man, keep doing it. You know, keep trying. Um, biggest lesson I've learned and the biggest thing I've, like, tried to push on other people, kids, other adults who are making film that are either experienced or not experienced at it is just keep doing it. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter if it comes out bad or unwatchable, it's fine, you can keep that for yourself. Mm. But you will learn more from just going out and shooting a short film on your cell phone mm. and trying things out and just keep at it. You'll learn more from that than any school or book or essay online or YouTube video will ever teach you. Because uh, it'll just give you the, the tools to, to troubleshoot. And if you're working with a team, you get to start early and build that camaraderie. and get that team together because if you know and are, have a good relationship with the people that you work with, you're going to have a better time making things and you're going to make better movies. Wow. <laughs> Henry, it's always great to talk to you. I can't wait, f you know, for whenever Lost in Time is ready. <laughs> but <clears throat> super grateful to have you and thank you for coming today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah.